telling you, bro. What's been happening, bro? Uh, not too much. Still hitting more Peggyos. of the internet. Welcome back to the latest episode of The Riff Raff. My guest today is Mr. Tommy Malone. You know, there's just something about hearing somebody from South Louisiana who's born and raised here, got it in the blood. I mean, hearing them belt out a vocal or play a guitar solo, I can hear it a mile away. They just seem to have a certain thing to the way they phrase or in the delivery. And my guest today, Tommy Malone, certainly epitomizes that. Tommy is a New Orleans-based singer-songwriter and guitarist extraordinaire who, in my opinion, is sorely overlooked as one of the best of the New Orleans scene. A side note, his brother Dave Malone is one of the founding members of another one of the great New Orleans party bands, The Radiators. So Tommy's probably best known as being one of the founders and the lead singer of The Subdudes. Pretty cool band came out of the New Orleans scene in the late 80s, early 90s. They, they used a really unique instrumentation. They replaced their tra- traditional drum kit with percussion and tambourine and accordion, bass and guitar and created their own funky version of New Orleans roots rock. I think he's made 11 records with the Subdudes, but he's got three of his own solo records that are really great one of which I had the pleasure of working on called Natural Born Days, a few years back. We'll talk about all that. He was also in a short-lived band called Tiny Town. That was a great band. We'll talk about that. So on a beautiful fall-like day in September in New Orleans, very uncharacteristic weather, Tommy came over to my house, and we talked shop. And I got to warn you, when Tommy and I get together, it, the maturity level drops considerably and we are like instantly transported to fifth grade so you'll hear a lot of laughs and goofing off but in all seriousness there's some good stuff in here and um, you know I think you'll get a lot out of it and you'll enjoy it if you haven't heard Tommy before check out his music and here we go Tommy's tuning up plugging into my little vibro champ and we're gonna play a tune off of uh Natural Born Days and then get into it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Just go? Just go. You don't even have to do the whole song if you don't want. Just whatever you want. Been on Without no diamond ring. 
Like that, yeah, you know. it's coming back. <laughs> you played on it, I know, man. It's yeah. a while back. All right, yeah, let's get it going. So, I'm sitting in New Orleans at my house with my bro Tommy Malone. Hey, man, thanks enjoying for enjoying this beautiful weather we got here. Man. It's, it's amazing. Like... I was walking my dog this morning around the block, and people are like smiling, and everybody's happy in a good mood. And, and I'm thinking, like, this is just an average day in Southern California. <laughs> I know. <laughs> No, weatherman people, last night said the cold front's moving people in. People like so it's excited. Gonna be, it's going to be high of an 80. Be high of 80. It's unbelievable. Cold front. People are like, wow, if it would be like that. That's what the neighbors are saying. If it would be like this every day, I would be, uh-huh. That's called Southern California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hence I guess nine when, uh, billion people, right? Exactly. <laughs> I guess that's what makes you appreciate things more, though, is when yeah. you have, you know, delayed gratification. Or, <laughs> right? But uh, but man, I've been trying to get you on for a while. You know, we've been texting and I appreciate it. Call it and um, <clears throat> thanks for finally doing it. Absolutely, man. So yeah, you know, man, we just talk and don't be too serious because I know you're not a serious cat. We can <laughs> we can be as goofy as you want. I'm serious when I get down to work, but well, this is I'm total goofy. You know, goof I'm I'm, I'm hanging out. I, I'm not working and I'm not a professional journalist. Mm-hmm. Neither am I. But man, you know, I thought I'd kick it off with a joke to just get the humor going. Oh, all right. you know, yeah, yeah, I yeah. got this one. It's a pretty good one. So, Is it one goat? No, but you can tell one after. <laughs> but, so uh, let me see if I can get this straight. For those of you that, don't, that are listening outside the southern Louisiana area, you know, Boudreaux Thibodeau is sort of like a, I don't know, it's sort of a, like a yeah. Bubba joke or something. Right, right. Yeah. So Boudreaux dies and he goes to heaven. Mm-hmm. And St. Peter sees him kind of floating up, looking, looking around. He goes, Boudreaux, over here. Over here. It's okay. You, this is heaven. I'm St. Peter. Come on in. And Boudreaux goes, well, what happened? He goes, well, you died, Boudreaux. He goes, well, what's going to happen? She said, well, you know, you, you've, been a good, uh, you've been a good Cajun man. You went to Mass every Sunday. You've been faithful to your wife. He goes, you're not going to have any problem. Yeah, I'm going to make it as easy as possible for you to get in. He goes, you're just going to have to pass one little test. I'm going to make it easy. So spell love. Boudreaux goes, love? Uh, L-O-V-E? Very good. Come on in. Sit down. I'm going to go get the paperwork started. Just relax. You, you're done. <laughs> the paperwork. Yeah. So Boudreaux's waiting around. And he looks around. He sees this old lady floating up, confused, like looking lost. And he goes, that's my wife. And he goes, Clotilde, what are you doing? And, and she goes, uh, Boudreaux? And, and he goes, yeah, this is heaven. What happened? She goes, man, I was coming back from your funeral, and uh, I was turning on the road, and a big uh, cane tractor hit me, and uh, I died. I guess I'm up here. And he goes, oh. He goes, listen, I, I know the man. You're not going to have any problem getting in here. And he said, um, you know, uh, you've been a good, faithful Cajun woman to me, and we, you know, been married to me, and we went to church every Sunday. He goes, look, you're going to have to pass one little test. I'm going to make it easy, okay? Spell uh, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! 
Let's that talk about some music shit before this thing gets completely derailed. Sweet Clotilde was on the street ever single day. I love that name, Clotilde, man. That's a definitely one from our childhood. All right, so let me let me. If you're still listening at this point, haven't shut it off yet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Tommy Malone. You know, if you you know, I'm gonna have your bio. Everybody knows if they're listening is Tommy, founder of the Subdues, one of the greatest singers and great guitar player, man. To come out of New Orleans, although you're, where are you and Johnny from? Edgar. Well, born born here. I was born in Hotel okay. Dew, which was used turned into University Hospital. I think it might be closed now, but um, relocated. Lived in Homa for a while, and then and then ended up in Edgar. Uh, my my father was from Mississippi. He was in the Air Force, and uh, met my mom, who was born and raised in Edgar, and then we. They bought a house from my grandfather, and then you know we ended up in uh, in Edgar. Uh, Edgar's around Luling, someplace. Edgar's uh, up the river from Luling, about twenty miles. Okay, yeah. Between uh, between like uh, Ama and between a bunch Bashery. of cane between basically between a bunch of cane, cane fields. fields. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cane field, levee, river, all right there. You know. What was it? I first met you four five years ago. We were in. It, it was kind of a band, and uh, <laughs> we had fun it was rehearsing. Kind of a band. It was really fun. I got to tell this story, man. It was uh, me and you and David Torkinowski and Carlo Nucio, great drummer, and Johnny Allen. God bless his rest his soul. I know he was your bro. Yeah, he was. And uh, subdued's bass player, and he was funny as shit. He I was. loved the guy. It mm. turns out he knew a bunch of my cousins when you know they're older than me, but they all used to hang out together. It was really mm. a really interesting time. But anyway, we we would rehearse. By the time we'd make it through one song in the rehearsal, we forgot the arrangement. It was like so crazy. And then we could never, you were trying to figure out the name of the band. It could never decide on a name. It ended up being called Boulevard Junior, if I remember correctly. Right. That and was one of them. That was that was the one that was advertised the most. And, and this is the genius part about where this name came from. In New Orleans, I, I should find the sign. It's on. It used it's, to be that? on Claiborne, I think. Okay. At the intersection. They ordered all the street signs to say Martin Luther King Boulevard, right? Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Right. But what happened was the signs got misprinted and they were up and they said Martin Luther King Boulevard, Boulevard Jr. Jr. <laughs> <laughs> so, hence the name Boulevard Jr. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's genius. That's pretty silly stuff, isn't it? With Boulevard Junior, it's you could never really come up with that. You on couldn't your own. come up with that because everybody would come in. I think maybe suspecting that it was an old blues guy from Mississippi. <laughs> Boulevard Junior, <laughs> Boulevard Junior, be up here momentarily, people. Oh shit! <laughs> if you're ready for some real down old yeah. blues, <laughs> hey, you listen to ninety point seven. That was Boulevard, Boulevard Junior, Junior. <laughs> the old. Uh, 
Yeah, it's the old field recordings from Oxford, 1928. <laughs> exactly. Smithsonian. A, a lot of you will remember his father, <laughs> Boulevard Senior. <laughs> Boulevard Senior. I forgot about that. <laughs> but anyway, we did that, and then I, I had the opportunity to play on your solo record, Natural Born Days, which, man, I love that record, man. Thank you, man. I really, really love that record. I, I do, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, a lot of things came together on that, and man. not the least of which was you being on guitar. You played beautiful stuff on there, oh, man. Oh, thanks, man. I never told you I should have. Um, everybody played great. We had David Hyde. We had uh, um, Doug Belote. We had Cleary. Yeah, John Cleary. We had a... a uh, Nigel Hall. Nigel. Yeah. Susan Cowsill. Susan yeah. sang beautifully on it. Yeah. That was, Everybody anyway. played great, man. And John Porter really put that together quick. What's your, we you got cut any all favorite? that in three days, I, I think. know. I remember it was really fast. Yeah. And um, really sounds great. I mean, man, you're one of my favorite singers, man. you got a great... You're, you're, if I could sing like that... <laughs> You know, I would, I'd be rich. Well, maybe that's what you said, too. <laughs> you know, I never... That's so weird. For, for most of my life, man, guitar is all I cared about. Really? Yeah, I was deathly afraid of a microphone. I wouldn't go near it. Are you serious? Till I was till the subdudes, really. Till I was about 29. Wow. Terrified. I, mean, I would do things, but reluctantly, you know? Uh, I was completely immersed in guitar. Was the guitar was the only thing I cared about, man. I was listening to everybody and everything I could, you know. And uh, I mean, people I could would say, "Well, you sing something," I'd be like shy and completely I'm weirded out. To hear that. Oh, wow. I would not do it, man. And sub dudes, it's almost like by default, you know. Nobody wanted to do it in the sub dudes, and they kind of elected me, you know. And I, so I started singing and. I'd say within a couple of years, I really started to like it a lot, you know. Uh, I started getting better at it. I started not feeling so self-conscious and weird about it, you mm-hmm. know. And then trying to develop as a singer, you know. And, and uh, But, man, it took me. I was a late bloomer for real. I, it took me a long time. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, yeah, you totally. definitely bloomed. <laughs> well, thank you, man. What makes a cat chase about? What makes a home out of a house? What makes the world turn round and holds our feet down to the ground? God knows, just ain't talking. Hey, who are some of your influences on guitar? I know we've, we've hung a bunch of times, and we talked about, you know, Jeff Beck, if I had to guess, if I remember correctly, Jeff oh, Beck and Billy Gibbons and those guys. Love cats. him. Yeah, Beck's probably one of my favorite on the planet. Just his ridiculous technique, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like all kinds of weird stuff, man. I like uh, Django Reinhardt's an obvious one, you know. Um but Roy Nichols and mm. uh, these country players and uh, Eldon Shamlin, the rhythm guitar player with uh, Bob Wills and Texas mm-hmm. Playboys, his rhythm guitar playing was like off the charts. I can't even... He was a guy that uh, Leo even... Fender designed the Fender Twin for, I think, because yeah, he think, said he I wanted something right. really clean. He wanted clean. something cleaner and louder, right? Mm-hmm. 
And it, one of the first strats went to Eldon too, and given to him by Leo, wow. I think, and a gold one or a, a white one or a gold one. I think it was a gold one. <clears throat> and um, man, you can listen to that stuff today. And and to my ears, I haven't heard anybody reproduce that kind of sound yet. Still, it's it's, it's just like ridiculous, you know. So I mean, I'm all over the charts, man. And I like you know, uh, Muddy Waters and. Yeah. Howlin' Wolf and B.B. King and I just like it all man I think that's been my problem I like too much different shit you know yeah, I like that too I don't know yeah I, I just but that's what makes you more <clears throat> it makes it more interesting to listen to as a player you know cause mm-hmm. it, yeah, all that shit gets mixed together yeah I hate to use that phrase because everybody uses it. It's a gumbo of styles yeah yeah any yeah, review yeah. you ever see from right but it's true it's a good analogy it you is, mix you it know. All in a pot and... And, but the magic is, if you can, if you're smart enough, or I don't know if it's just being smart, or if something direct, something in your instinct directs you to, to something, you know, like like a contemporary guy that I think of is really, I hear two notes and I know it's him, is like Derek Trucks. Mm-hmm. That guy to me is like stupid. Mm-hmm. I just think that he's a fantastic guitar player, particularly slide. Yeah, plays good single note stuff too. But his slide playing is like, wow, man. I mean, guys have been doing this shit for I don't know how long, fifty, hundred years. I don't know how long slide's been around. Been around a long time, but right? And you and you doing it, and you found this shit. It's like this that Indian. Sounds it's like a, your your yeah, stuff. It's like an Indian phrasing thing. I think he mixed in there too. Yeah. He used to listen to this mandolin player, this fretless mandolin player who passed away. Yeah, I remember talking. Oh, to he him. did. Yeah, that's I what mean, it yeah, is. Derek's got a sound, and Sonny Landreth's and got Sonny a sound. And Sonny Landreth's you another one. Immediately, immediately, you know. True. It's yeah. hard, man, on on a to have your own sound. You know, because even Santana, who a lot of people diss, you hear it and you go, well, that's Santana. That's Santana. Exactly what I mean. Yeah. Right. You know, I never, I mean, I think he's, I think he's great, but, mm-hmm. you know, if I was going to list my favorite, you yeah. know, I don't know necessarily that, you know, mm-hmm. but what you say is true. It's like, you know, he had the wisdom or whatever to know. And I kind of wish I had that, you know, I wish I had stuck with something, you know, and be like, oh, well, that's, you know, I know that. Well, is, there's still know. time, man. Maybe you could develop <laughs> like still... a 10-finger tap. Look, I'm going to give it another 10 <laughs> years. Two, Tommy plays with two slides. If, <laughs> two slides? <laughs> and I'm going to have a finger ectomy? A finger ectomy? Yeah, uh, what about the, I'm gonna you have know what six. I use a lot? That like, I got from you. Taylor, I'm going to have... Well, I'll do three slides. <laughs> Let me tell you a lick I use a lot that I got from you. The Rick McNair lick. Oh, the Rick McNair. <laughs> Why don't you demonstrate what a Rick McNair is? Uh, let's see. A Rick. Rick McNair. Rick McNair. Rick McNair. Rick McNair. Rick McNair. You could also put the double stop. Exactly. Rick McNair. Rick McNair. <laughs> Some idiot friend of mine in Nashville said that a guy named Ferg, I think, told me that. And so it was like, good. oh, you idiot. So but good. it's so appropriate, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
Some of these things in Nashville have become, uh, you know, kind of the quintessential, uh, you know, the, the, yeah, ho- the hot it's, shot it's, licks. Yeah, it's part you know, of... Uh, trying to imitate the steel guitar, I guess. Yeah, I wanted to mention, too, that for those of you that don't know, Tommy's older brother, Dave Malone, is radiator from the radiators i don't know if he founded the radiators but he's a great player and singer too. yeah he yeah he was from the beginning yeah he's funny man you know one of the funniest stories i don't know if you told me or he told me was the beatles story oh you got to tell that story which the anniversary just passed well in 19 six my birthday is september 16th 57 beatles came to city park in new orleans in 1964 Turns out on September 16th, mm-hmm. Dave was five years older than me, just at the right age, like, what, 13? Whatever that math is. I got, my gazentas ain't good right now. <laughs> but uh, So I always have, my mom threw me a big birthday party on my seventh birthday. Dave was 12, yeah, 12. <laughs> Dave was all ready to go. His buddies had gotten the tickets. They were headed to New Orleans. But I mean, this is a once in a lifetime thing. See the Beatles in City Park. Right. At the last minute, my mom's, "You're not going to some rock show. You're staying here to be with your brother on his birthday." Tommy's birthday party. <laughs> his shitty birthday. And he was like, "God damn it! <laughs> Are you kidding me?" So. To this, he missed the concert, obviously, and to this day, man, he's pissed at me. <laughs> it's like fifty years later. Fifty years, I would be pissed too. But but I would, can you imagine? Him, but tell him about the T-shirt he made. Oh, damn it, T-shirt! Yeah, he had the, all the Beatles tour dates listed. Beatles North American <laughs> North tour, nineteen sixty four. He scratched out September sixteenth, but Tommy's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh my god. You're not going to see that You're band. Not going You're going to see, to see that your rock little band. brother Tommy's birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Can you imagine that? Bro. He's yeah. still not over that one. Huh? No. He's he's he'll never be over that one. <laughs> no. I mean I mean think about that. Yeah, man. That's that. like for us, you know, I'm a huge Beatle fan, I'm sure you are too. Yeah. Good God! You, you get one chance and you miss it. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that was a drag. <laughs> sorry, Dave. <laughs> I'm sorry, baby, but it will be the last time. I'm sorry, baby, but I did you to my first I thought was interesting all the the on some of the sub dudes records which I'll admit I don't know every record but the, some of the producers on there maybe you'd have some stories about like Glenn Johns or uh, uh, George Massenburg Massenburg was was a brilliant brilliant dude God so was Glenn Glenn uh, well, he, he did was it Andy or Glenn that did the Led Zeppelin stuff uh, it was I think that was Andy Okay, they're Glenn brothers. did some of the Who records. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff. And I think he might have been engineering the, the Roof concert when the Beatles did that thing. Right. And, uh, and and worked on Let It Be, too. But Andy did a lot of the heavy stuff, Andy Johns. 
Of course, Glenn's son grew up to be Ethan, who's a producer, mm-hmm. a really good one, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, we flew. Um, Glenn came to see us at the uh, suggestion of Bernie uh, Ledden, who had seen the band and was good friends. He did Eagles records, too. Mm-hmm. Glenn produced mm-hmm. a bunch of the Eagle records. The very first one, verse wow. two or three at least. Peaceful, Easy Feeling, all that stuff. And uh, Bernie had talked to Glenn about seeing us in Nashville right around 1990, 91. And played him some stuff, I guess, you know. And Glenn flew. At the time, I was in Denver. We were all living in Denver around 90, 91. And Glenn flew in, and we put him up. I was living with some girl named Jill, I believe, at that time. And uh, Hi, Jill. Hey, Jill. Wherever you are, I know you ain't going to watch this silly thing. You can't watch it. It's radio. And, uh, yeah, he came to watch a couple gigs, hung out with us a couple days, and then he said, he said yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to do it. Come, why don't you guys fly to England. So we went to his place, which is a beautiful countryside English estate, you know, mm-hmm. with horses and stables and... Uh, he had converted the old uh, the old horse tables to a, to a studio, and uh, was recording everything in there uh, analog. He had like a his board. He built his console from. A, and it looked like the it looked like the deck on the on the Star Trek. Oh wow! Yeah, you because know, he could do everything with his feet and hands. He was wow. running the machines, turning on the reverbs. It was like a semicircle console. It was silver. Stainless steel. Wow. And he did it all, man. He did everything. And uh, two mm-hmm. two rooms, mm-hmm. one little ISO room and then a big room. Yeah. And uh, and did his, his thing, which I think he gets credited for inventing the, the really uh, sparse mic technique. Mostly Steve was playing tambourine, but he played drums on two tracks. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he did his usual, like, what is it, three mics, I think? Like two overheads and a kick. Mm-hmm. And got this beautiful sound, you know? He was like this old school guy that mm-hmm. knew how to, really knew how to put, make sound happen with microphones. in the room yeah, and everything. Yeah. And uh, it was, it was a, it was a great, I, I loved the experience, you know? We, it was, he put us up upstairs in the studio, and uh, you know, no, no bullshit. We just worked pretty hard, and uh, um, it got a little testy about uh, t- ten days into it. He called John Magny a four-eyed. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> think of the think of the typical British uh, insult. Oh, oh, four-eyed. I don't think it was. Oh, bastard! It was. Uh, you know any British words? Four. <laughs> yeah, color uh, with a U. Four-eyed uh, uh, something. Anyway, what happened was we were recording a song called "It's So Hard," and uh, and and it needed, uh, in John's opinion, it needed an edit. And Glenn was all about like keeping the integrity of the of the track, uh-huh. right? And uh, John said something to the effect of, uh, oh, I can't believe you're going to let a little tactical problem ruin the art. <laughs> Glenn 
blew up. You four-eyed, cheeky bastard. <laughs> and started parading oh, around wow. the studio. <laughs> and the whole thing came to a screeching Holy halt. Holy shit. Yeah. It just, we were all just like, he was... He got really, really pissed off with that comment. I've worked with the Beatles. I've worked with the Who. I dare you say that to me. <laughs> so we're outside, like, trying to get some lunch, and he's screaming at John. And then, like, man, it might have been even that day or the next day, the funds had not been sent from the record company. Right? supposed to get a payment at a certain mm-hmm. time you know he'd organize it with his staff he had a staff and uh so the money stopped so oh. everything stopped he kicked us out of the oh i mean well he didn't kick us out we had our rooms upstairs but he shut it up and locked it up and says we're not doing a thing until the money shows oh, yeah. up man yeah. so it, that got that got weird Awkward. and then we had a long weekend it got sorted out we all went off and drove around English countryside and, you know, stuck our feet in the, oh, in the water and shit. And they, they finally got the money right. Glenn and John made up and, and we continued on. It, it was a trip, man. It was like it was a, it was like another world. I had a blast, but uh, you know, didn't you guys have some? You know, Carlo Nuzio, who's those of you that don't know, Carlo's a great drummer, man. He really, he's is. like a New Orleans Jim Keltner. You know, he is, and he's a great guy. I, I mean, I haven't seen him in a long time, but he was in the band Boulevard. Carlo, Dream. I just you know. After 10 minutes in the same room with you, you know, I just have to take a break. But, you know, I love you, Carlo. I love you, Carlo. <laughs> but, uh, but he told but he is a fantastic He was telling me the story. And I don't know what the scenario was. It, was it something with Dave Stewart or something? You were at his house in L.A.? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We mixed our... At the tennis court, court story. <laughs> tell, tell him the tennis court story. <laughs> <laughs> we did our first album in L.A. with a guy named Don Gaiman, who at the time was famous for doing uh, Little Pink Houses, Mellencamp. Mm-hmm. Of course, had a huge hit with it. I think that's right. Yeah. And uh, we cut... Somewhere else. Oh, and we cut it Sunset Sound, as a matter of fact, is where we cut it. And we mixed at Dave Stewart's place, the, um, the Eurythmics mm-hmm. guy, for those who don't know. And a uh, gorgeous place, right? Built, he called it the chapel. It looked like a chapel. It built like a church. All wood, beautiful pictures of, you know, like the, the, the uh, Wilburys had just come in there mm-hmm. and done stuff, you know. He's friend, you know he knew all those people. Of course, and uh, that freaked me out. These pictures of Harrison and Orbis and Dylan. I mean, it was like what? And there was uh, there was a tennis court for our downtime. You know, if you, I don't for those who don't know, when you're mixing a record, there's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of 
technical plug in, listen, check this out, listen some more. The producer sends you out to kill some time, and it gets boring after a while, you know. So we had t- access to tennis courts out there. So <laughs> Carlo, <laughs> Carlo was living in LA. <laughs> And he said, why don't you come out, man? You know, we can just hang out, maybe play a little tennis, <laughs> a little b-ball, you know, get some lunch. So I don't think the guy had ever held a tennis racket in his life. <laughs> so he shows up. He shows up in brand new white tennis shoes, brand new white socks, brand new white wristbands, brand new white... <laughs> Headband, brand new white tennis shirt with collar and emblem. <laughs> we just fell on the ground laughing. <laughs> he got out there and he couldn't even hit the thing, you know. And it was just, it was just, it was fabulous. It was fabulous. So that but, was Carlo. But, but the, that's not the best part of the story. Was all the the marks the tennis shoes made on his tennis court. <laughs> Oh, right, he had the wrong kind, and they stroke, they made streaks all over his tennis court. He got they had the he had the wrong soles. That's right, he got the kind with the with the with the black sole. That's right, that's right. Carlos said he was so pissed. Dave Stewart oh. came out. And there's like a thousand black marks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, somebody told me this. I don't know if I think it was Daryl. Daryl told me this. It's either at, at Dave Stewart's place or it's George Harrison's place. I think it was George Harrison. You had to like sign some agreement where you you couldn't take pictures or anything. But mm-hmm. inside the bathroom, mm-hmm. when you sit, when you turn, like if you're sitting on the toilet, you close the door. There's a door faces you right in front of you, and it's a life size picture of Bob Dylan sitting right on that same toilet taking a dump <laughs> so when you're sitting now you're looking at bob Dylan. it's like it's like you're looking at a mirror and it's bob Dylan, the picture boy am i too brain dead to remember if that was the same place i don't think it was that place i don't think that's it was that place because wilberry's that's why i thought of that yeah it's, 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 it's it had to be George Harrison. are you still playing your um your gibson chet atkins i am yeah those yeah. are great guitars it's a it's a it's a weird one, you know. Not a lot of people use that thing, and you can't even really find that particular one anymore. I've looked on eBay because I was uh, seeing all these horror stories. Uh, David Doucette just had his uh, his Collings OM1. You see that on uh, posted mm-hmm. destroyed by Southwest. Oh, just bashed a hole in the side of it. Just like yesterday. Really? Yeah. And uh, and I fly that thing all the time. Of course, it's solid body, but you can't. It's an old. It's solid mahogany. It's got a fake sound hole. Right. It's a. It's the. It's the little bags pick up in the bridge, with the active electronics. I had. Um, um, God, I space out on names. The great, the Pleck guy in Nashville invented the Pleck for uh, Gibson. I don't know what a Pleck is. The Pleck machine. It's a. It, it does fret work. Oh, okay. In a machine. Uh, he repaired all the Nashville guy stuff after the flood. Not Joe Glazer. Joe Glazer. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Joe Glazer put in... I figured, you know, like I got this thing here, which is for a a solid acoustic-like guitar, you know, it does a pretty good job. Yeah, it always sounded Nothing like the real thing, like they say, but of course. 
but for what it does, it sounds pretty good. It's got a pretty unique sound. But I wanted more out of it, so I got Joe. I bought a, a Lawler mini humbucker, mm-hmm. and I used that space in there. I just kind of pulled the pulled the, the paper out of it, and uh, there was a little plastic insert, and then I just kind of uh, put a couple screws in there, and he wired it in to a little mini switch. I can go from a from acoustic electric to a to a. Uh, it really to me it sounds like a Les Paul Deluxe. You know, it's mm-hmm. got that same kind of thick, but not too thick. Yeah, you get a little air a quality to thing. it, like, like more of a cross between a Fender and a, and a Gibson. And I love it. It just it sounds great. So now that's all I travel with. I can do the uh, all the subdued stuff was cut on either that guitar or an old cheaper version. Uh, that Johnny Allen had bought really cheap, like $250 Yamaha or something, mm-hmm. or Ibanez. I guess it was Ibanez. They, was, they were the first, I think, to make those. With the, It might have even been hollow. It was chambered or something, or hollow. Same concept, bridge pickup. And, uh, you know, it was... Glenn, as a matter of fact, this is another Glenn story. Glenn referred to it as, you're not going to play that bloody plastic guitar, are you? He was talking about the talking chair. Talking about can... the chair. Oh, <laughs> it's not plastic. It's <laughs> God damn it. He was all about real stuff, you know. Oh, man. He was all about, re- he had an old vintage Martin. He had t- every tweet amp you've ever yeah. known. Or he had it brought in. It was actually Pete Townsend's collection some of his tweet collection from your champs but the old uh-huh. all the tweet the tweet champ the tweet deluxe the tweet all the way up the line and he's, and he's like brought him in one day and he says take your pick yeah, and I'm wow. like oh Jesus Christ but anyway so, you know even, it was like the, the fact that it was different and weird Gave us a sound, I thought. I think. I, I still think some think of the that. cheaper guitars have character to them. They man. do, you know. And I'd run it through an amp or run it through a tube pre. It would warm it up enough. Yeah. But you couldn't really tell what it was. It sounded like he's some guy playing a jazz box clean or yeah. or strat real low volume or something. Sorry about that. Yeah. Thank you for um, taking it. But yeah, you know, and, and then for and then in the later period, I started playing. Real guitars with the subdues. I was playing a Gibson J45. Like behind you, that's mine. What? Yeah. I got an old 61 J45. Yeah. And I was playing that, and I had ear monitors, and I was playing a Stratocaster for the slide and everything, which I, I, I like doing that. I love yeah. playing the slide. And then I started hearing, well, not regular fan people, but like people that knew us from the beginning, you know, friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's it's cool, you know, but it, you know what? It's you had it, it sounded kind of cooler with the old thing, you know, and because I, I had that guitar in the closet for like ten years. The chat, yeah, I didn't mm-hmm. even touch it, and I felt like drug it back out, and I started playing these songs again, and they did sound better, you know, they sounded more like like the records and shit. To the darkness and sadness. This life has centered. Carry on and have yourself a lovely ride. Think of me when you finally reach the other side. 
You know, we used to play the 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 nylons even sound better. I think I saw um, I saw. I remember seeing Steve uh, Dregs, the uh, Dixie. Steve Morse. Steve Morse play one at Tips. I'm talking eighty, somewhere between eighty and eighty-five, maybe. And God dang, that thing sounded good. It sounded like the real deal to me. Mm. I don't know a whole lot about uh, classical guitar, but it sounded yeah, it sounded pretty real. It sounded good. And then and I remembered that too when I was out shopping for this other one, which I found in New York, and I think it was a special order because. It was sitting in the Gibson showroom in New York City, and it was unclaimed. And I was I was there, and I had the money in my pocket, and I was like, hmm. And I was like, well, who, who's that? What's that for? Who's that for? And uh, I'm really glad I got it, because I, I really haven't seen another one. They're hard to find now. They and are. then even if you find one, it might not be as good as the one you have. Yeah. And then the later ones, they eliminated the sound hole, and they started putting these goofy star markers in the... Oh, yeah. You know? It looked like... You know, Branson. <laughs> Branson. <laughs> like Branson. Rick McNair, Rick McNair. Rick McNair, Rick McNair. You li- there's like one guy listening to Branson right now. Like, Fuck this, I'm turning this shit off now. <laughs> anyway, you, you're a big Rye Cooter fan, right? God, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, love him, man. Me too. Yeah. I've said this several times on the on this podcast, but I swear, man, there's there's tracks I listen to Rycooter, like Mavis Staples and some of that stuff with Keltner mm-hmm. playing. Mm-hmm. That guitar is out of tune, like sharp or something, and it sounds so good. I How know. do you do that? I How know. How do you make it not? It just sounds even better. I, I know, I know, man. I don't. He's got a. It's odd for a Southern California guy. I grew up in Santa Monica. He's got this deep, deep old soul going mm-hmm. on. I don't know what it is, but it just... And I don't mean to say he always sounds out of tune. There's just a couple of tracks I've heard going, Yeah, wow, I know that guitar. Does it sound Wow, it sounds good. Yeah, right, right. And, and Cornell Dupree's the same way, man. He I plays stuff. Too, you know. man. Yeah, all well, that kind what, of what stuff. What is that, Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I love that old. All that kind of. Love that stuff. I do too. tune i really love what's that and i wrote it down no reason no the first the verses on no reason man talking about guitar stuff you know what i always liked i always liked um 
you know, mostly I was an ear guy and I listened to thousands of records, probably just like you, mm-hmm. hanging out in front of a stereo, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I got to New Orleans, you know, I got turned on to uh, uh, this guy, um, Space Out Again, boy, I, I need a memory pill. Um, my memory banks, like Max says. The jazz guy at uh, Hank Mackey. Jeez. Do you know Hank? I don't know him. I've heard of You've him. Heard his he's a uh, court melody kind of jazz. Uh, he's just a brilliant North knowledge Shore, guy. Maybe. Lives on North Shore, teaches at Todd's. Yeah. And he used to teach in uh, Lakeview. When I was 18, 19, I started going. I've definitely heard could, of him. Yeah. Just learn more about the, key, the, 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 the fingerboard, mm-hmm. you know, because, man, I was a total uh, ear guy, you know. I mean, I basic stuff but it was like shit man i don't know what i'm doing i want to know why stuff works you know and hank really answered all kind of questions but um i know early on i got into like uh i wanted to always use open strings you know because open strings are like they just sound the purest right mm-hmm. you know if you so if you could squeeze them in somewhere in some riff you know mm-hmm. they just sound good like you know that kind of mm-hmm. stuff with the little half step thing mm-hmm. yeah right you know and 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 at those kind of like <clears throat> but you were you were talking about this song we're getting ready to play and i was i was looking at how it could how i could do it without moving the least <laughs> yeah i want to do it without something. moving my fingers too much mm-hmm. Then I could sing, so it really goes from this, uh, like this major nine, to the seven. I don't know if you use that kind of stuff. It's like an E over a D. A lot of guys don't don't just look like stuff real close. You know what I mean? They look like. Right. Oh, I gotta go to an E. I'm okay. I'm up here. But if I can find them and find some shared tones, you know. Yep. To me, it sounds just smoother, juicier. I don't have to sing, and I don't have to think so much. I can concentrate on the vocals and stuff. So I kind of, I, I love stuff like that. I'd like your vocal melody on that too. I mean, I, I never, I mean, I played on that track, and I never you really played paid attention. Beautiful on that track, man. You did, but because it's only going between those two chords, you made it sound like there was this movement going up. Like it was kept moving, mm. you know. It was really cool, and I'm sorry. I'm so. This was written with a friend of mine by the name of Jim Sherrick, and. Uh, no reason, no reason, no reason at all. You can't have exactly what you want. Takes is an open mind, and love and a little time, life, faith, and a touch of grace. If and bad, you better play. Two, three, now try to see things in a different light. You see wrong and might be right.
what you want. Yeah, I love that melody, man. <laughs> it's so, it feels like it never resolves, kind of, in a good way. Yeah, yeah. No reason at all. You can't have exactly what you want. All it takes is an open mind. Because there's only two chords, I felt like, geez, where, where is it going to go? It's, it's two where, chords where in the truth. <laughs> there you go. There you go. The Nashville. The Nashville. <laughs> Tiny Town was, a, for people who don't know, it was me, Johnny Allen, who we talked about earlier, my friend Pat McLaughlin, singer-songwriter out of Nashville. And also the drummer you mentioned that was on the Maria Moldauer album. Kenny Fantastic. used to play. Kenny's still with John Hyde. Great with player. John Hyde. He's also with just Sonny got Land a gig with um, uh, uh, John Prine. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I love Kenny. And Kenny's and, a monster. And then you had Johnny Neal on keyboards. And Johnny Neal came in at the last friends. minute because of Bernie Ledden knew him and he 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 asked us if if we wanted keys and yeah maybe I guess yeah and he said well I know a guy you know and he brought in Johnny Neal man who was you don't know Tommy Malone from New Orleans I'm like nah man I've heard of him yeah oh Tommy oh man you gotta hear him <laughs> oh oh <laughs> <laughs> sounds just like uh, he's a trip yeah, oh, I love Johnny he's yeah. a blind crazy genius prodigy keyboard player and he came in we'd never met never even heard of him and he had bernie one by one he'd play the track we'd cut all the basics you know bernie play it play it once johnny being there rocking with a can of beer rocking listening see all right play it again (laughs) and he cut it the second time and it's it it Everything that the, the 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 hit the the, the dynamic stuff the, the the with the drums you know every oh, yeah. change we're like we're all I wish I had a picture because we're all staring through the glass at the window watching John and Neil like this like oh man I know I've been in, I remember Jesus, I, I watched man. him one time do a whole session a whole overdub a whole string part section to, to like ten songs in one pass you just roll all right roll it down. And he'd just come up with these brilliant, like George Martin Beatles, like cello oh, parts, yes. every tune. And well, all right, roll next tune. Unbelievable. But yeah. Are there any tracks that stand out that you like on the, because you guys only did one record, right? Tiny Town? Tiny Town only did one, yeah. We, we, we ran, uh, it, was, um, it was Pioneer Records. It was a little Japanese company, as I recall. We ran them out of business real quick. <laughs> You use up all that yen. We ran him out. <laughs> a lot of yen to make. Okay, that we're gonna spend. <laughs> we got a fold now. 
these tiny town fellers that sold 18 copies. Were, were there any uh, comparisons <laughs> to Little Village, Tiny Town? Well, that was our inspiration. Okay, that's for the name. We were having a conversation about them guys. So Boulevard Junior, the signs hadn't been minted yet. So you, <laughs> exactly. you couldn't, you, that was a long time. <laughs> exactly. Still to come. Yeah. And we knew, not well, Johnny knew Hyatt pretty well. Uh, I did. I I'd met him. I didn't really know him, but uh, I was hoping I could have met yeah. Cooter, you know. But and I think we were joking about that, you know. Well, shit! If they can be little village, we can be tiny town, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, okay, that sounds good, you know. It was just one of them goofy ass small municipality, exactly. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, man. But I don't know, man. All of those. The one I enjoyed most playing guitar on was a song called "Don't Let Time Run Out." I don't know if, uh, it was it was this thing that it was just this moving line. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. Never mind. I'm not gonna tune. I think I here. You could play it on here if you want. I it, think it was I remember just this. This riff with yeah. the walking bass line. If you feel like tuning it, but it's nah, just. Go like, ahead. Come to Papa, don't you come too quick. Just rock, play rock and roll on sidetrack for a second didn't bonnie Raitt actually ask you to join her band once well you know it was it was it was floating around out there you know it was floating around for sure you know i never got officially asked but mm -hmm. uh and i hope i'm not speaking out of turn here but it came up yeah. through our manager uh, tim out in california that was managing her too and uh i think she just didn't because she 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 liked what we were doing you yeah know? and you, you probably and couldn't didn't want it, it would have been it would have disrupted everything you were doing at the time yeah so. although you know it would have been nice <laughs> that would have been a blast yeah you know but playing look with at those the, look at the body of work you have with the sub yeah we've got a lot have... of stuff now but uh ah, she's great jesus that would have mm -hmm. been you know god i love bonnie i love Lowell george's stuff Lowell george yeah man like I say, Derek is a freak. Sonny's Do you still use that? Kind of, uh, kind let's of a talk freak. about Little George because I, I forgot about Little George. That that's like your main, probably one of your main. Because you guys toured with Little Feet. I know Little George was gone by that point, but but Little Feet was a pretty big influence. Oh right? God, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's weird, you know. Um, I listen to all that stuff, and 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 
unlike my bro Dave, like he could probably just sit here and start just playing you all those tunes. And yeah. I'm more of a, uh, I kind of took it, you know, and I mean, I listened to it a lot, but I didn't learn it a lot, yeah. you know, but I just, I, I just like to listen to these guys' approaches and stuff, you know, and uh, shit, I don't know, man, you know, do you play slide at all? I do on, on, it's not my favorite thing to do. I've done it on sessions and records, and I sometimes, rarely live will I do it, but yeah, I have. I've done a few sessions here in town where it's me and Sonny. It's like, I'm not going to even take a slide out of the case if he's there. Well, yeah, that's a little scary. Because he's, you know, those guys are, that's what they do, man. You don't have a slide, do you? I didn't even yeah, bring I do. one. I actually do. At the dark end, you know that one? At the dark end, you should play with me. So, yeah. <laughs> Some thoughts, some uh, <laughs> some uh, some uh. How you doing in your coffee, man? I take some more. You like that coffee mug? I like that coffee. I gotta man. make some more coffee. <laughs> My wife said, "Take out the garbage." I said, "You cooked it. You take it out." <laughs> when I was a when I was a boy for Christmas, we were so poor we got batteries, toys not included. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, I love it. That's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of tuning were you using? I mean, I'm going like completely crazy. Yeah, we're going off the thing here. What kind of tuning was that? That's you're right. Open the floating tail. It's really hard mm -hmm. to get in tune, but on my goal, when it's a block, I got it blocked, and I use well, that's open G. And I use open D a lot and open E, but that's about it. I I'm, I that's I don't go need. much beyond that. You know? Yeah, I'm not quite the freak that Sonny is, but 
but I sure love it. You know, I really love mm-hmm. doing it. You know, it feels comfortable. Yeah, uh, I did it a lot. When I first moved to town to play with my brothers, we had a band called Dust Woofy and uh, some goofy name that some hippie chick made up for the little lint that collects under your bed, you know? <laughs> they call it a Dust Woofy. And so, they, they, you know, it was hippie days. So I thought, oh, that's a cool name. Let's use that one. That's cool. <laughs> so it was Dave, my brother John, who a lot of people don't know is a fantastic... Talk about a meat and potato bass player. Kind of, He played like... John was a cross between Carl Radel and, shoot, man, maybe Duck Don or something. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And he just, he, well, things happened. He met a woman, moved to Virginia, bass got stolen, he just quit. He was a fantastic bass player. But anyway, John was on bass. Dave was playing. Dave was married to a woman named Susie Malone. You might see her around town. She still sings. Sometimes at Buffa's Lounge. She was mm. with the Fister Sisters. You know, mm-hmm. they did that old mm-hmm. Boswell music. Yeah. And uh, I came in. I got out of school in the senior year in January. Couldn't wait to get out of school. And then I came to New Orleans, and, and then I joined Dust Wolfie. So I was started playing slide with that band. Because we were playing a lot of stuff like Jackson Brown songs. And it was uh, Lindley was playing the slide stuff. And I didn't know what he was doing, right? Uh, I'll hear it, but I didn't really know what he was doing. So I played it all in standard. I was playing his parts in standard. So I, I learned all that stuff in standard. I was using a pig oh, nose man, as hard. a preamp. Oh, wow. Through a fender, through a twin. or a, No, no, a, a, a pig nose through a super. Really? Yeah. That's so a then cool I, sound. But I, it was a great sound, and I learned it all in standard. And then I realized I read some article in Guitar Player later. It was like... Oh yeah, well, you know, if you want to make it easier on yourself, just tune to a tune to an open chord. You know, it's just when I started looking at the open E, and it was like, oh, holy shit, that's a lot easier. Oh, so I had to relearn everything. That's before the internet's. Exactly, exactly. We before got all our info from conversations in a bar and the monthly issue of Guitar Player back yeah. in the day. As a matter of fact, remember Tommy Tedesco? Had sure. A, yeah. He had a, a column. monthly column. And there were electronics guys that would put things in there for you to build, schematics yep. and shit. And uh, Howard Roberts yeah. had a column. Yeah. And, uh, man, it was just, I don't know, it was, to, that was more gratifying to me when you had to work for it a little bit. You know, don't you agree? I, I agree. I, I've talked about this before. It's um, it's so such a powerful thing they have, you know, with YouTube, like learning, I, I it's unbelievable now what you could do. Like, say you want to learn Sly. I want to. I heard Tommy, and I want to learn. You know, Open G. You go on YouTube. There'll be a there'll thousand be a guys thousand teaching you things. And that song probably. And and really, what would be the most valuable would be to pick one. Or, but how do you know if it's any good or not? Or have a, a guy down the street who's a good guitar player sit with you and yeah. show you know it's never going to take the place of that because right. then you just get like so scattered like you're watching one thing and then there's five other things watch next you know yeah, yeah, variations yeah. on G yeah. this this yeah. is like it's too much right it's too much whereas if you're doing it less so with the articles because they they could get very specific but a lot of times they didn't they would they would. T- I remember Tedesco always saying, you know, follow yourself, man. You know, don't, you know, just do 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 your thing. At least that's what I recall. But when you listen to the records, like, 
just like this thing, you know, they mm-hmm. can only imagine what right <laughs> what we're doing here. They don't know we're naked, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, they can't uh, see that mound of coke on that table right exactly <laughs> <laughs> so uh where was that yeah but it so so when you, learning it off the box like we used to at least i used to and, and uh man it was so mysterious you know it was mm-hmm. like you probably did it wrong at least a few times before mm-hmm. you got it but in the process you kind of learned some cool shit about yeah what else you could do right with it and uh, it took you a little time and the fact that it took you a little time it, it was more gratifying you know yeah it's like wow i'm proud of myself i just sat down with this thing for an hour and i figured the damn thing out man yeah i got it i got it and i dig that man and i like the fact my daughter's a creative writer uh, at noca now and uh, oh, wow she's uh, all about what you're doing the podcast thing uh, which thrills me, man. Her two favorite things, which thrills me to death, is her, her tree swing that I put up for her. <laughs> she spends two hours a day on that thing, just loving it, you know, just disconnected from re- electronics and makeup and mm-hmm. trying to be hip. And, and podcasts, which stories, mm-hmm. listening to stories. Man, that's, to me, that's cool shit. That, that, that's, Getting your brain back, you know. My dad always referred to the damn. I'm sure yours yours did too, as the idiot box. Always the called idiot, the TV oh, yeah. the idiot box. <laughs> did your dad call it that? No, he didn't. But I've heard it. I've heard it. Uh, My dad always said, if you just get away from that idiot box for a while, you might yeah, be able to do I, something, boy. <laughs> it's definitely paralyzed original thinking i would say mm-hmm. but you know the computer's the same way man to me it's even it can be even more destructive mm-hmm. you know because it's it's so much it's just i i don't watch tv mostly because it's i can't take the commercials but i just get i haven't watched tv in years man we barely watch it but this has absolutely nothing to do with guitar, with guitar playing. playing. You know, this is an interesting. This this I just bought off of eBay. It's a '93 body, and I was when I was in Denver in 1988. I lived up there for about three years, four years. I found this '61 Jazzmaster that had been stripped of the paint, and one of the pickups was non-original and. Something else has been taken off of it, so it kind of lost a lot of value. I get they're not blowing at me. No, it's just that's the um, you know for collector nerds. You know when you lose the paint job you, on a vintage right. thing, you lose a lot. Right. So, but I love this neck. It's an old '61 oh, yeah. Jazzmaster neck. Oh yeah, I didn't. But I just slapped that. on here, and I feel that. I just love the way that feels. Oh yeah, man! Isn't that nice? Yeah, it's just yeah, like I use that pretty high action. I had on that there. on my gold body for a while. That's what I cut the Tiny Town record on. I had this neck on that gold guitar that I now play slide on, which now has a maple neck. Uh-huh. But back then, I didn't. I, I hadn't bought this yet, and and I loved this so much. I put that on the gold body with, uh, I believe I got Lindy Fralin. A lot of guitar mm. players will know what that yeah, is. Yeah, pickups. Lindy Fralin pickups. And uh, through a Buddha amp. Mm. There was a guy named Jeff Bober. He also wrote a column for Guitar Player for a while, I think. 
he's, uh, he's out of Baltimore, I believe. He builds these amps called Buddha, used to, mm-hmm. B-U-D-D-A. I remember those. Yeah. And uh, I have one of the old original ones. It's like a little 18-watt. 212 thing and i think they got bought up by pv so they're being made i guess in meridian now maybe, maybe not even more maybe not PV's even meridian. in china now oh, unfortunately because pv used to china, be china totally self self-contained man in meridian they make everything do everything i don't know anymore yeah but i know they're pc board amps now mine's old-fashioned hardwired mm. It's a good sound of rig. It's mm. just pure, pure tone. It's 18 watt. Yeah, Tommy, thanks, man, for coming by while I'm in town and hanging and Absolutely. all your stories. My and, pleasure, man. Yeah. I really appreciate you asking me, you know. Absolutely. I really do. And um, let's go get lunch, man. Yeah. That sounds like something for real like that. For real, though. For reals. You know something's cooking at the social, social pleasure All right, thanks for tuning in. If you stuck with it this long, thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you made it through all the bad jokes, laughs. But it was a lot of fun. I mean, my side always aches when Tommy comes over. Yeah, I have some more great episodes coming up. I just hung with uh, Dave Grissom. It was a la- last week, so I'll try to get that one up in the next few weeks. Working on a few more. Doing this on my downtime during the day. I'm about to finish this tour, so as soon as that happens, I've got some other things coming up that are going to be keep me sort of occupied. So I hope I can keep these coming out as frequently as I have been. But as always, thank you for your comments and the great reviews, the great comments. I'm flattered and honored you guys listen to this and like it and uh, you know thanks for spreading the word and see you next time he said man just come on in and see for yourself